Welcome to Baseball America's College Podcast. Baseball America, bringing you baseball news you can't get anywhere else for more than 35 years. Now it's time to talk college baseball. Welcome to Q Shack and another Baseball America podcast. I think this is the first time we're going to try recording at Q Shack, but so we make sure we wouldn't fall asleep. We decided to talk college baseball after Super Regionals, before the College Series. Funky Fresh College crew is all here John, Mike, Teddy, and Jimmer. And uh, Jimmer, thanks for podcasting hurt. Appreciate that. Uh, but Teddy and Mike just back from Super Regionals. Uh, guys, I mean, it was a pretty crazy couple of weeks of NCAA postseason. I know you guys podcasted last week without me for the draft. But regionals were a little nutty. Super regionals were a little bit bigger in, in their nuttiness. Uh-huh. I guess we're almost wondering like just how huge of an upset UC Santa Barbara at, or at Louisville is. I asked the question off air, which is the biggest upset. You guys were all unanimous that it was Santa Barbara. I guess we got to go back and look if this is the biggest upset of all time. I mean, I think San Jose State Getting to I, Omaha I, and Fresno State is a four-seater, bigger I mean, one. Stony Brook going into the box four years ago and went in feels bigger than this. I mean, but it, UCSB still is – I mean, it was a, they were a two-seed. They were into the top ten at points this season. Right. Um, but they had some injury troubles and, and had faded and had not been playing well in May. Um, but they go to Louisville, and they're not intimidated. They don't just win it. They sweep it. Yeah, they sweep yeah. it. And, I mean – for the second year in a row now, uh, Louisville goes out to a Big West team at home in a pretty surprising upset. Uh, I mean, Shane Bieber uh, in the first game, he shoved it for, for the Gauchos. And then in the second game, obviously, there, there's the, the late dramatics with, with Sam Cohen's walk-off Grand Slam. But, I mean, it, it just seemed like Louisville, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, they people, a lot of people felt like they were the favorite. I did, um, for sure. Yeah. Vegas odds had them as the favorite after regionals, and you know they they got stunned in the, the in two games. Yeah, they I, got swept, Mike. I mean, how, yeah. how do you get swept? With, I mean, it's, it's baseball. They got swept, and they lost with their best guy on the mound. I mean, that was a tip-your-cap yeah. moment, or was it something that Louisville did? I do question the picks. I, I think I'm not the only one who questions the pick selection of Getting beat it was Jim Lairitz versus Mark Wohler's ass to go before y'all's time, 1996 World Series where Mark Wohler's got beat by a slider to Jim Lairitz. Yeah. But this was getting, Zach Verdi getting beat by a changeup was inexplicable. Yeah. Well, looking at UCSB, I, I look at I start with Shane Bieber and as as you're the, a believer, you've long I, been a believer. I've been a believer since the beginning of the year, and as the other Bieber says, never say never. <laughs> so I look at this. UC Santa Barbara team, and I saw them earlier this year at College of Charleston, and I like them. They're a good team. Are they as good as Louisville in terms of talent? No, I wouldn't say so. They're not that deep, and certainly they were. I think they were stronger last year from a talent standpoint, having Dylan Tate and, and right. all of those guys on that pitching staff. But they're a they're a scrappy, gritty group, and you really. I mean, the thing about the Big West is all those teams. That's a good league. I think it might it, to me it was the best league out west this year. In my opinion, and just the way they kind of beat up on each other a little bit. Fullerton right. had a great year, and then you, obviously you look last year at what Cal State Fullerton did at Louisville, right. and you know you see Santa Barbara just did the same thing. This year, Sam Cohen was the DOB. He That's was the right. David Almeida Barrera, uh, Barrera uh, equivalent, and um, yeah, I mean I, I I do think you have to point a little bit to you know the pitch selection there with Birdie. I think I think you're on with that. You know, obviously. You're you're up 3-0 in the ninth inning. You have Birdie on the mound. You think you win that game. You think momentum shift. You think you know you go into the third game and you and you win the whole thing. But you also have to give credit 
to check it's there for pushing the right button and correct you know bringing up Cohen a guy who had 26 at bats all year and just one home run all year and being able to pick that guy in that moment to deliver I mean that's incredible to be able to do that it's stunning we only have three uh, national seeds I made at Omaha they're uh, not coincidentally the only three uh, super regional hosts five teams that went on the road to win super regionals to get to Omaha and Coastal Carolina did it both rounds uh, regional and super regional Arizona did it both rounds obviously Santa Barbara did it both rounds uh, Oklahoma State did it both rounds. Uh, I guess I, I wonder, I'll throw it out of the panel. <laughs> does this, I mean, I should do a John McLaughlin impression, but does this, I mean, like, does this give the lie to my earlier column this year that the West was down? You have two West teams getting Omaha, and they both, you know, win on the road. I mean, Arizona wins at Lafayette and then at Mississippi State. Santa Barbara won the first round. I don't even remember where they were the first round. Uh, Nashville. At Nashville, yeah. at Vanderbilt, which was a. Totally wide open regional. So there are some extenuating circumstances there with the obviously with the Commodores right. and Donnie Elliott, but Everett. I, Donnie Everett, thank you. But I, I just can't I, I'm just stunned that two West Coast teams got through. I still think my column's correct that the West was down, but these two teams defied that the the evidence that was in. I think you I think you have to separate the regular season from the postseason and you know, at this point. I think if you look at just regular season resume and what these teams did, I think you're right that the West Coast is down. I think clearly they were down this year. But once you get into the postseason, sometimes things change. Sometimes teams get hot at the right time. And I, and I think you just you have to give a lot of credit to Arizona and Santa Barbara for really catching fire at the right time and pushing the right buttons. And a lot of people had questions, especially with Arizona with its pitching depth. And yeah. once it you know got into the loser's bracket in Lafayette, you're thinking, okay, Wildcats are done here. And to be able to pitch their way through that and then obviously to go to Starkville and take down Mississippi State in two games. I mean, that was, that was incredible. Obviously, they've just kind of, for me, just caught fire at the right time. And, you know, you, you point, you tip your cap to the coaching the coaching staffs of those two teams. Those coaches, one of the couple of the coaches I've talked to just said when we watch on TV, you can really see the teams that were hosts had a lot to lose, especially when you have 13,000 fans. You're playing with some pressure. It's hard to play with pressure anytime, but I want to tell you, do you think that was a factor in, or was it more matchups? Why do we have five, and Jim are obviously way in on this, why, why do we have five teams be able to go on the road and win Supers? I think that's baseball. Uh, you know, I, I don't I don't like to read into tournament results at all. I mean, this tournament is not – the way the tournament is set up, you do not get the best teams to Omaha. That's not what it's, it's, not what it's out there doing. And, I mean, things happen. I, UCSB lost a series to UC Davis this right. year. I mean, right. uh, you know, I – you know, we can point to, to bad series losses for, for pretty much every team that's in Omaha um, or inexplicable losses. I mean, it, it happens. And, you know, I, people want tournaments to, to – they want to believe that tournaments produce the best teams at the end, but they don't in any sport, and especially right. not in baseball. So It's not a tournament sport, necessarily. No, I mean, they play 56 games in the regular season for a reason. Um, so you know, to have these teams go on the road, it's impressive. Um, and, and I think it speaks to you know the, the experience at some of the places. Uh, Oklahoma State, for instance, is an older team. Coastal Carolina is an older team. Uh, it speaks to the coaching staffs, definitely. Uh, you know, Gary Gilmore has been has been at this a long time at Coastal Carolina. He's had some really good teams there, and Jay Johnson has has Arizona really believing in themselves. And you know, so I think it's a combination of those factors. And you know, I, there's probably some tightness from some of these home teams. 
Uh, some of these home teams weren't used to playing in the postseason, right? Certainly, not, and especially not at home. Uh, you know, South Carolina, who Oklahoma State beat, uh, there was not much postseason experience on that roster. Uh, Clemson hadn't hosted a regional in five years, right? Uh, you know, so I mean, there there's some weird dynamics going on here, and uh, what, what we end up with is is some upsets and super regionals. Well, obviously. Jim, most surprised about Louisville. We've talked about that region a little bit. I guess I'm most surprised otherwise by Mississippi State and Texas A&M. I mean, they both had tough opponents. And I don't think it's coincidental, by the way, that the two West Coast teams that did get to Omaha are the two that were ranked highest all year but in the RPI. Mm-hmm. Consistently all year, UC Santa Barbara was number one. That's true, yeah. And as Arizona got better, they kind of nudged ahead of Arizona State. And were the number two RPI team in the West pretty much down the stretch of the year, weren't they? Oh yeah, yeah. They, all, I mean, I can't remember where it ended up, but yeah, UCSB and Arizona were both in the twenties all year. Well, I mean, I mean, UCSB was in the they were in the teens, yeah. They were in the top ten at one point. Yeah, but so those were the top two, pretty so, much the whole second half. So maybe RPI wasn't wrong in that Not regard. Case, no. But but which surprised you more that didn't advance, Mississippi State or Texas A&M? Because I gotta be honest. I thought the Texas A&M was closer to Louisville and, and and Florida in terms of talent than they were the other teams. And Mississippi State, to me, was a I would have grouped them the top three: Florida, Louisville, and A&M. And then the rest of the you know, the next group was the next group, starting with Mississippi State. So I'm, I'm a little stunned, even though I have high regard for TCU, its talent, its coaching staff. I'm still stunned that they were able to go down there and beat the Aggies in uh, in Bluebell. Yeah, I I do think that A&M is the better. Would be the the better team from among those two. That it's the kind of the more glare, just in a vacuum, is the more glaring omission that they're not there. But I mean, I think just just look at the two series that happen. I think it's more surprising that Arizona goes into Starkville, aka Stark Vegas, and beats the uh, Bulldogs twice. I mean, you know what? They have 14,000 fans there. Yeah, Mississippi State's tremendous at home. They had no problems in their regional. And Arizona gets a great outing from Bobby Dahlbeck in the first game, shuts them down, they win one nothing, And then they pull it out, obviously, and they come from behind late and win the second game. And that's, I mean, also we know Arizona's good, but to see Mississippi State go two and out at home, that was, I mean, that was a big, I was very surprised. I gotta say, I think I'm almost more surprised in a way at Coastal going to LSU, but I think Mississippi State was a better team. But as far as yeah, hostile yeah. environments, those are two teams that drew, what, 25,000 plus for Super Regionals? I mean, those are among the highest attended, if not the highest attended Supers of all time, guys. I, mean, that, I think so, yeah. That blew me away. I'm extremely happy for uh, Gary Gilmore and uh, the long road he's been through at Coastal. I mean, Jimmy, you wrote about it last year. And, mm-hmm. What they went through to build a ballpark, all the effort yeah. they put in there, a model like mid-major program. I think, kind of, aren't yeah, they? they. I think they they have to be. I think they're. I think they're they're definitely. If you're looking at top mid-majors, I mean, they're. I don't know who you would. I mean, I guess if you count like Fullerton as a mid-major and all that, but it must among on South the East East Coast. Team, on the East Coast teams, I don't well, think you would come up with any. And frankly. Better. And, I mean, this is their last season in the Big South. They're going to the Sun Belt, but the Big South is barely mid-major. They're almost a low mid-major. Right. Yeah. And uh, I mean, in every other sport, the Big South is low. Is, is a yeah. lower third. Yeah. And baseball, at least Coastal's been very good. And you've had years. I mean, it wasn't. I mean, Liberty they get two pops teams off last year. Yeah. Radford, right? yeah, yeah they, there was one year I think they might have had three. Might be thinking of someone else. But I mean, yeah, it, they've had. Yeah. Generally, it, there have been years where it's been a two-bid league. It's usually a one, and that one's always coastal. Yeah. 
Yeah, I had a, you know, I, I did a few radio shows at, at stations near uh, Coastal Carolina, near Conway, and people were asking me if the Chanticleers had a chance, and, you know, I really Chance thought, of a lifetime, as it turned out. Yeah, no, I really I really thought they did going into Baton Rouge, just because you look at that team, and as Teddy mentioned, it's a very experienced team. You know, a group with, you look at their lineup, one through nine, they can all hit the ball out of the yard, a lot of speed in that lineup, just really a dynamic group, and a, and a team that really seems to have embraced the Road Warriors kind right. of kind of theme here late in the season. I, you believe, know, I believe they're going to be the, the national darling for and the national team that people hate. There's not going to be no middle ground. First of all, no one's going to know where Coastal Carolina is or the North or South Carolina. Right. B, there's going to be all these Myrtle Beach golf jokes made. C, they have bad uniforms. Let's face it. They wear dockers for baseball pants. They don't wear stirrups. They have bad colors and weird fonts. I'm I'm just not on their look. They haven't, they haven't broken out the uh, the charcoal gray. They're, it's gonna yeah, happen. Not this. Not yet. In the I'm on season. those uniforms. Uh, <laughs> okay, well that's a generational divide right there. <laughs> Three, four. They're the Chanticleers. So yet another chicken. Yeah. Uh, getting to Omaha. Uh, there, there are going to be a lot of reasons. And then, the, but the biggest dividing line will be. It's gonna happen. They're gonna be in a game, and one of their guys, like Remillard or Paez, who hits a lot of home runs, is gonna bunt because they bunt more than anybody, except for maybe Santa Barbara. Well, here's the thing about Coastal: they led the Big South in home runs. They, but Gary's style has always been to force the issue, to play with speed and everything. Yes. And their power, I do not think that's gonna play at Omaha. Their ballpark has it's, it's turned out to be a launching pad. Yeah, by, and, by design. They yeah. Won. And uh, so I do not think their power is going to play at TD Ameritrade. So I think they're going to double down on the speed, which is what they've always done there. I think this power is, it's strange that Coastal has this power. I I think you're going to see, I mean, people are going to look at the stats and be like, why is he bunting? But I mean, given the ballpark, I think it's going to make way more sense that they go back to their their speed game. And that is, Mike, that's uh, back in the day, uh, maybe Jimmer remembers this. We first had a video on our website. It almost broke our website, but there was like an instructional video for New Balance, sponsored by New Balance, like Gary Gilmore did at BaseballAmerica.com, and it was all base running. So aggressiveness on the base pass, the bunt game, all that stuff, that is his trademark. That is what he's wanted this program to be about for a long time. And I guess we're we're talking about Coastal Carolina, so we're going to talk about that side of the bracket, which is bracket two. That's the uh, that's the the, set, the bracket that starts second, I guess Sunday. So they've got Florida. They've got the biggest favorite. I mean, Teddy, you were just there, Mike. We've, we've all seen Florida all year. I mean, I have to imagine that this is the harder side of the bracket. Yeah. Florida, Florida's a, a the number one national seed. Texas Tech's a national seed. TCU hosted a regional. Coastal should have hosted a regional. This could have been four one seeds that got in. This is the stronger bracket in Oakland. Isn't it? Yeah, no, I, I I definitely agree with that. I mean, you have you have the two national seeds there with Texas Tech and Florida. Obviously, Florida was our preseason number one team, the number one overall seed, and the, the team you, you ask anybody all year is really between them and Louisville. Who do you think is going to be the national champion? And obviously, Louisville is not in, in Omaha as we chronicled here earlier in this podcast. But yeah, no, that that's a that's a tough test for Coastal. You know, I thought that LSU club, even though they were playing in Baton Rouge, was a beatable. LSU club just because so much turnover in that lineup. Right. It's not that physically imposing group that you, you typically see. The guy we thought would be their power guy all year finally became it. And Greg is it Deakman or Dykeman? Dykeman. Greg Dykeman finally yeah. did, but I mean he didn't have much help power wise in that line. Right, and I just Florida's pitching as Teddy that wrote about and as we've talked about all year is just so deep. 
so deep and you know as good as that coastal carolina lineup has been this year and as well as it's played in their home ballpark you know going to td ameritrade against some some really good arms on that florida staff i mean that's a that's a tall task and you know the texas tech tcu game on that side of the bracket too i mean that's that's going to be an interesting one uh, texas tech i feel like is a team that's built on a lot of power too and they have an all-freshman Starting right. rotation is going to be curious to see how those freshmen respond to the spotlight. Obviously, a lot of turnover on TCU as well, but just that coaching staff having been there, this is their third straight year there. I just feel like you got to give TCU the edge in that matchup. Teddy, huge props. You had TCU as one for Omaha last year. You got a lot of you got ragged for it. I remember. That was like your first college article. I just remember I, you getting ragged for it. I, I did not actually have them in Omaha. I, I had, had them in the Super Regions. Okay, I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, you were high on them. I remember I, you getting uh, getting heat yeah. for it. I. When I did that, it was basically like I knew it. I mean, they were losing a lot. Everyone could see that. But you know, you knew what they were getting uh, to some extent. You knew Luke and Baker was coming in, and I mean that coaching staff just—I mean—they're so good. You know, Jim Schlossnagel runs a really good program, and you know they—they they get the most out of their guys. And I mean, that's one of those programs that, that doesn't rebuild; they reload. And and you're seeing that this year. I mean, that—that's really what this is about. It is about them just plugging in a bunch of new pieces and. It, it took a little bit. I mean, it, it, was, it was a bit of a long path here. They have been in the top 25 all year, but it's not been a straight climb. Um, and, but they're they're healthy. They're they're reasonably healthy right now. They're playing for for months. Schloss has been saying their best baseball is in front of them. I don't think he can say that anymore. I'm pretty sure what they're doing right now is is they're playing their best baseball, and that's this is what you want. You want to be peaking now. The other thing is interesting to note in this side of the bracket is we do have a Big 12 on Big 12 matchup, and you know, Jimmer, you're, you're again our, our, our shoulder dollars guy. What would you put odds on on three? The Big 12 gets three teams to the regionals, and all three get to Omaha. I mean, do we underestimate this league all year, or is it more that TCU, Oklahoma State, really picked up their game toward the end of the season? I, I definitely I feel like I think it's more it's the, the latter. It's the latter. Yeah, I mean. There really wasn't anyone else in that league that was the. I mean, West Virginia was a bubble team by the end. And it, you know, it turned out the uh, committee said they were one of the last teams out, but no one else was even close. I mean, look at the bottom. I mean, Texas had a tough year. Obviously, that's a long story. Long story. Uh, the Kansas schools were not good. Uh, the Baylor, schools. you know, Baylor's had a you know first year under uh, Steve Rodriguez. Was, Baylor did beat TCU by the end of the year, but still they had a Baylor had a surprisingly good year. But uh, yeah, they're, they're under they're five hundred overall. Bottom, uh, you know, and um, and Oklahoma Oklahoma was disappointing. They were disappointing. And the Karma so. Police are going to be out for Baylor, so yeah. maybe not their baseball so, program, but that's a whole other. Story. Yeah, so I mean, yeah, right. it's, I mean those, but we knew those three oh, teams were good. Or I should say, we didn't. We thought Texas Tech could be good. We knew the top, the other two were good. Um, Texas Tech was a bit of a, a bit of a wild card. But we were a year early on Texas Tech. We, we we needed all the freshman pitchers to come through for them after picking them high last year. But yeah, exactly. I mean, what are the chances for you in your in y'all's mind? I mean, to me, Florida's the prohibitive favorite on this side because they're Florida. I'm, you know, to me, they're the bracket favorite here. Anybody you know, weigh in on your bracket favorite, guys? Might get to go first because you're closest to me. That's fair, yeah. You know, I have Florida in bracket two here. I have Florida coming through. Honestly, I think I think the, the greatest opposition, the greatest test for them is going to be TCU, just for the reasons that we mentioned earlier. But I just think the thing the thing about Florida for me is they've been playing with a target on their backs all year. They were the preseason number one team, the number one national seed coming into this tournament. Yeah. They've been the team that everyone gives their best. 
they haven't been intimidated by that. You see what they've done. They've gotten to Omaha. They lived up to the expectations that everyone set out for them. Obviously, a couple of guys have had down years, haven't had the, the, the kind of years that we expected out of them, guys like Buddy Reed and, and, and J.J. Swartz. But just in general, just in terms of talent, in terms of them dealing with the expectations, and you know, I think they're hungry too, having just missed out on it last year. To, for me, it's Florida that gets in this bracket. I think it's the Gators. Swartz seems hot, Teddy. You saw him. Driving five runs last night in the Super Regional Final. Is that a reason that you would pick Florida? Or, is, or do you have many reasons to pick the Gators here? Or are you going to pick someone else? I don't know that JJ is actually hot right now. Um, one game. The, yeah, but it, it really is just the one game. Uh, somebody ran the numbers in the press box last night, and they were not favorable prior to that Grand Slam. Um, but, I mean, he's he's dangerous. He's a dangerous hitter. Peter Alonzo sure is hot right Peter now. Peter Alonzo <laughs> is, is scorching hot. Uh, I mean, it's Florida for me because I've – I'm not backing off now. Like like any time anyone has ever asked me about who my favorite still is, it's it's always been Florida. I'm not I'm not going to back off that. Um, oh, I backed off. <laughs> <laughs> they, uh, I mean, they're good, and, and I mean, it's that's just the bottom line. They're the best team out there, and they're they're the most talented team. They're by far the best team, you know, in in terms of talent in Omaha, and I they they have the experience. Like Mike mentioned, they were there last year. The coaching staff is exceptional. The talents there. I mean. Everything you want is there. So they are in the harder half of this bracket. But if you're Florida, I mean, that's that's nothing new if you're Florida. I have to be honest, Jim. I had my doubts about the Gators last night in the bottom of the first. Mm-hmm. When they have first and third, nobody out, and Buddy Reed runs, and then he stops, and all that. Hoy, hoy. I was like, what is going on with this team? But the Knowles get a Knoll sometimes. They bailed him out with a wild pitch. At least Florida got a run out of that. And then Florida State let the bases loaded a couple times. I almost feel like that might have been, I don't know, maybe Florida plays looser and lighter. They've handled the pressure all year. Now they're finally in Omaha. And they played well there last year. They lost two close games, won two others. Pretty much everyone on this team, uh, I know they played four freshmen, but most of the rest of this team, especially all the pitchers, participated last year in Omaha, and they played well there. They had success. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like that has to help him help them in, in Omaha this year. Exactly. It definitely stands out on this side of the bracket that you have I mean, you have a first-timer in Coastal, but then the other three all have experience. Obviously, Texas Tech was there two years ago. They still have guys left from that team. TCU and Florida were there last year. TCU will be their third straight year. So all those teams have that working in their favor, I think. Um, I mean, certainly Florida's the best team. Certainly getting Alonzo back has been – I think when we were when we were doubting them is when Alonzo was hurt. Yes. And their offense was, was not as good without him. I mean, that's, I think that's... He's hitting like point. 70 points higher than anyone else in the, in yeah. the starting lineup, basically, right? I mean, isn't Guthrie the only other guy who's hitting over 300? I mean, there were a lot of twos in that lineup last night and a one in the yeah, I think India fell under 300 yeah. again. Yeah, he did. But uh, getting him back is But not just been back, huge. but I mean, he came yeah. back on time. Yeah. Better than he was He's before. He's hit four home runs in the tournament, like... That's yeah. just uh, that can't yeah. be undersold. I don't think that could be undersold in any way, shape, or form. If you're Coastal Carolina, I go four wide to Pete Alonzo every single time. <laughs> I treat him like Barry freaking Bonds. I don't let that guy see a pitch in the strike zone, and I make sure my pitchers know how to execute a pitch out. What game was that? Was that Coastal against LSU, where the LSU pitcher tried to throw an intentional walk and the first pitch was a strike? I think it was LSU's pitcher who couldn't throw. I think it was uh, 55. Who's the tall drink of water out of the bullpen? Is that Stallings? I'm pretty sure it was Bug. Um, I forget who it game. was, but couldn't throw, yeah. 
couldn't throw an uh, 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 intentional wall picks properly. Speaking speaking of bullpens, though, another thing worth pointing out, I feel like with Florida, is you look at Virginia, who won the College World Series last year. They had scores out of the bullpen. Yeah. And I think it's really such an important thing once you get to that point to have a guy in the bullpen that you can rely on to get outs to put out those fires. That they have two. Guy. Yeah, they have multiple. This Florida staff. I think a guy like Dane Dunning, obviously Sean Anderson there in the back end, and you know a few other arms that they can turn to. I mean, that's such a valuable weapon to have in Omaha. I feel like that that's a difference maker to, to have that guy. I mean, we saw what Dane Dunning did in the Super Regional, you know, pitching pitching both of those games, you know, bookending the, the Super Regional there again against Florida State. And he was huge last night coming in for Puck. I mean, that game could have, you know, gotten out of hand. You, you knock Puck out in the fourth inning. Who knows what was going to happen? Then Dunning they comes still in the and lead throws they four. Puck out. Yeah, but still, well, wasn't six nothing yet, was it? No, it was no. two to nothing. There was only there was a runner on first with two outs in the fourth. There wasn't like but Dunning still. had to, like I mean Dunning was big, but it's not like. He wasn't what won them the game. I was saying, but still, I mean, other staffs don't have that luxury. I will. I am going to be curious to see how Dunning gets used because, um, you know, if Fido and Shore show up those first two games, if uh, Sully looks to hold Dunning for a start, he started in Omaha last year and, and pitched very well, um, or, or how they how they go about that. I mean, this is. You're right. It's an absolute luxury, but it's a luxury because he's so—he's just so versatile. That, right. Uh, I mean, he's the 29th pick overall for a reason, and and they're they're going to be able to deploy him however they want. The big problem to me is what do they do with AJ Puck? <laughs> That's right. the bigger question. We know Dunning's going to pitch important innings. We know Fiedo and especially Shore and Anderson. We don't know what role Puck's going to be in. I would assume he'll start. I would think so. I don't know. I mean, if you have if they win the first two. And you have a game to get to the finals. Would you rather start Dunning, or would you rather start Puck and relieve Dunning? Well, obviously that's going to depend on how Dunning gets used and how they have to use Dunning in the first two games. Right. But uh, you know, I, I know AJ Puck won't come out of the bullpen. I, right. I, I feel pretty confident in saying that. So uh, I mean, he may just be the guy that they have to go to that, because maybe they'll have had to use Dunning. Yeah. Uh, but you know, I, I think if Dunning, if they can get through two games without going to, to Dunning. I think that's a conversation that they'll have at least. Puck's postseason is problematic. I'll say that nine times fast. Eight innings in his last two starts, regional, super regional. He was great last year in Omaha, though. He was. Virginia. He was so very he has, good. He has that I know. going for him. I, 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 uh, I don't envy going to the pressure of the draft like that, but he didn't come through with flying colors. That's all I can say. Those last two weekends were rough, regional and super regional. Um, but I, I feel like I've said enough negative things about A.J. Puck this year. Uh, let's go to the other side of the bracket. Uh, Teddy and Mike, you guys both saw Oklahoma State the last two weekends. Yeah. Plow through the Palmetto State. Yep. Uh, like uh, General Sherman, just marching through, laying waste to Clemson and to South Carolina. <laughs> yeah. That makes me like Oklahoma State to make the, a Sherman comparison. So, uh, But both those, I mean, I thought Clemson was very hot. I don't think South Carolina had a great offense. But for Thomas Hatch and the rest of this Oklahoma State pitching staff to hold down Clemson the way they did, uh, how good is Oklahoma State's pitching staff, the pitching and defense? Are they tailor-made? You wrote it, Mike. I mean, are they tailor-made for Omaha? I mean, what do you guys think? I, I think so. I mean, we, we talk about the park and how it, you know, you're not going to hit a, a ton of home runs, although there were more home runs last year for sure with the, with the change in ball. But I think they're I think they're built for that ballpark just in terms of their, their pitching depth to me is while they don't have necessarily the velocity that Florida has, 
I think it's it's second to Florida to me in this field in terms of just the number of arms that they have and the amount of experience they have on that pitching staff. You know, Thomas Hatch is a legitimate ace. You know, Tyler Buffett has done a great job since they moved him into the rotation from the bullpen halfway through the year. He's a guy with not necessarily overpowering stuff, but he's got four pitches that he commands very well. And, you know, that that's tough. You know, you don't see that a lot out of, out of college pitchers. And then Jensen Elliott, their third starter, has has been great in his own right, and he has good stuff. And then you, then you have Cobb coming out of the bullpen. I mean, they have a lot of options and a lot of looks in that bullpen. And you look at them defensively, they're defending really well right now. It's clean defense. It's a veteran club. They kind of revolve around Donnie Walton at shortstop, their senior leader, a guy who has, you know, along with his father, kind of stitched into the fabric of Oklahoma State baseball and are well aware of the history and what's at stake here. And I think it's a very confident group, and I think it says a lot, and I wrote this in my story, that they didn't dogpile, you know, after at the end of that Super Regional in Columbia because I like they're, that. yeah they're saving it for the end they want to dogpile at the end so we'll see we'll see if they get that far but I like Oklahoma State coming into this tournament I think they'll play well in that ballpark I think they're really firing on all cylinders right now especially from a pitching and defense standpoint so we'll, we'll see what they do but I, I do like the Cowboys their bunt defense will be matched against UC Santa Barbara I'm presuming I mean that's a Bunt defense yeah. versus bunt defense. I mean, the Oklahoma State plays defense. I mean, they, they pitch and play defense. That's their thing. I don't know how well their offense is going to play in Omaha just because where is they, – they can mash. Like, they have some guys that can mash, but I don't know. I, I'm just going to be interested to see how that plays. I mean, against some of the better pitching staffs that, that are out there. One bigger question for me, though, is that their pitching staff is basically all right-handed. They have Garrett Williams is left-handed coming out of the bullpen, but he has been so inconsistent this year. And this like, year, well, yeah, throughout, <laughs> try, try throughout his, his college career, no, that, that's that's absolutely true. I mean, basically since the Little League World Series. Um, so if Good call. if they come up, um, that's uh, shout out to the. So did you see him in Williamsport? Uh, no, okay. I did not. Shout out okay. to the uh, opposing coach that, that tipped me off to just how right-handed that this pitching stuff is but you know if they play if they're playing Miami and Willie Abreu comes up in a big spot in the seventh or eighth inning or Zach Collins yeah or Zach Collins absolutely you know I was just thinking walk off Willie yeah. but yeah I mean if, if they're playing Miami and one of those guys comes up they don't have a guy to come in and do it so it's going to have to be on a right-hander to do it and those guys are capable of doing it but you would feel better if you had a left-hander that you could go to um, that, that could that could match up with those guys. These teams have, for me, Jimmer, some of the most memorable guys in the postseason. If the walk-off grandstand, the Gaucho Grande for mm-hmm. Santa Barbara, and I mean he's walk-off Willie, but I think the most probably the most uh, infamous person in college baseball right now is uh, Michelangelo yes. for uh, Miami. Uh, almost predicated, almost precipitated two brawls in the last three weeks against NC State. And uh, against Boston College. College, I guess number one, don't let that guy hit a home run off you. He's gonna pimp it. He's gonna pimp it hard. And second of all, Andrew Kisner and Nick Shortino, those two catchers in those situations, uh, either you either need to say what you're gonna say and back it up, or you're gonna get screamed at <laughs> by Michelangeli. Uh, that guy's uh, Miami's swagger almost. I mean. Hey, they're 15 and 12. Yeah. I mean, this is like a typical U team, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. I mean. If you want to stop them, you got to beat them. <laughs> if you want to stop that stuff, and not many teams have been able to do that. I mean, what series they, did they lose besides Florida this Virginia. year? Virginia. That's it. Virginia went there and beat them. Yeah, that was the only other one, I think. That, that's but, a, uh, that's been a very consistent Miami club, and even mm-hmm. you know VC 
good pitching team. Miami yeah, figured it out. They beat Justin Dunn the first game. They hit, Zach Collins hit a home run off him. And, I mean, it was, I mean, Miami, they did. Their starting pitching doesn't blow you away. But other than that, I mean, they're – and, you know, we saw them. They had some trouble with Long Beach State in the regionals where they gave away some leads. But, yeah, I mean, they just have the the firepower. and They've got Brian Garcia at the end that they can pull out all these – you know, if it's down to the wire, they can pull it out however they have to. And they've got the, they've got that swag, that confidence. And, I mean, they're – certainly they are, they are the favorite in this side of the bracket, at least for me. I mean, I think it's them and Oklahoma State are the two uh, I would look at. But – yeah, I mean the Canes, and they do have—they're the one team that's got experience. Obviously, even wasn't it? Uh, may not necessarily be good experience from last year, but they do have it. And uh, obviously, they've got a title-winning coach there, Jim Morris. Uh, you, Arizona, Arizona is the biggest surprise on that side to me, in a way. I mean, Santa Barbara—I guess I thought they were really good. And I know that Santa Barbara is the bigger surprise, but they went to regionals last year. They've been good. Arizona hasn't been good since they won their national championship in 2012. They've not been to the tournament since 2012. They actually do have experience. There's one player from that Arizona team that is still there. So That's there's, right. The there's, there's your other experience on that half of the bracket. But I'm just I'm I'm kind of in awe of the job Jay Johnson's done. I remember talking to a couple of area scouts this year doing draft coverage who were like, Yeah, you know, they're one of those teams out west that likes to have fun. You know what's fun? Winning games. I'm like, yeah, you know, now Arizona State's done both. <laughs> they had fun all year and they won games. And just talking to Jay Johnson yesterday. You know, I think he's a little surprised at what they've done this year, but he's not stunned. It's not like he didn't think it was in this team. Uh, what you know, what's been their formula? Because I have to be honest with you, from afar, their formula seems like it's different every single game. Yeah, I, I don't think there is necessarily one formula. They have a couple guys on offense, a couple seniors they're relying on in Raymer and Gibbons, and um, they really needed those two guys to step up as you know this year and, and, and kind of fill the hole offensively that Newman and Kingery left. How do you um, get better when you lose Kingman, King Newman and Kingery? Yeah, that's amazing. I and mean, when Dahlbeck hits like a third of the home runs he did last year, right? I they've it's it's really been an incredible run that that, that this team has been on, and um, they've been streaky all year. And so I think this kind of fits with what what's happened there. Um, you know, a couple times they they had some really big series wins that they weren't able to quite capitalize on, but. You know, they've they strung two really, really good weekends together, and, and now they're in Omaha, and that, that's all this takes. That I mean, that, that's all it takes. Two good weekends, and, and one of them, a weekend where I think we were all kind of like, ooh, they were using a lot of guys on really short rest to get through Lafayette. Yeah. But it seems like, you know, uh, that I, I'm not condoning it, but it doesn't know that happens every year. Do they have enough pitching left, guys? I mean... How much can Bobby Dahlbeck really shoulder the load? There? If they fall into the losers bracket, I don't know that they have what it takes to get out. Any, pretty much any team at this point has enough to like coast through the winners bracket if you can do that. But if they go into the losers bracket, I don't know what I don't know if they have what it what it would take. Especially with the way that some of these teams are going to mash on them. Like Miami, you have to figure is going to hit no matter who they're facing on this side. And you know if you. You wind up in some sort of losers bracket game against Miami. You better be ready to to hit your way out of that. And the Gauchos, uh, we haven't touched on them much except for like kind of Louisville's uh, hashtag fail a little bit. I mean, we did, I know you mentioned them a little bit, but how do they match up against the other teams? Because for me, Miami's head and shoulders more talented and has had the best season of these teams in this, in this bracket. I mean, I think Miami's a pretty decent sized favorite here guys on this on this bracket for me uh well starting with santa barbara you know i think 
Uh, again, I think Bieber gives them a chance to win that first game. And then behind, Bieber and Hatch is a great matchup. That's yeah, a, that's, a, that's two a, really good college pitchers. Hatch is a little looser, does a little harder. Yeah, a little better prospect. He was both a third round pick, and where was Bieber? Seventh round or something like that. No, B, I think they were both fourth round. Fourth round, actually, okay. both ended up in the fourth round. But I'll take I, Hatch over. Bieber. No, Hatch definitely, Hatch definitely has better stuff. Uh, but Bieber, you know, obviously his his pedigree in college, he's been great for three years. His command is excellent. A guy who really works quickly and attacks the zone. Has to have mental toughness to live through that name the last couple of exactly, years. Exactly, exactly. And so I think I, he's going to give them a chance to win that first game. Um, I think behind him, we'll see Noah Davis is a freshman, a guy who, you know, touches 93 with his fastball, but doesn't necessarily maintain his stuff, doesn't maintain his command. At this point, he's a guy who's shown flashes, but, you know, he could dominate a team or he could get blown out. You know, we'll, we'll see what happens with him. And really, just the, that Barbara, Santa Barbara pitching staff doesn't have the depth that it had a year ago. You know, they do rely a little bit more on offense. They'll be curious to see how that offense plays in this ballpark. Right. Having, having Caligar-Glica, I think we go back and forth in that pronunciation there. Having him at the... I think it's probably Calica. Yeah. I was probably wrong. I, we'll see. Just but, bet against me on yeah, that one. Yeah, but him batting at the top of the order, obviously a high on-base percentage guy, a guy who works his way on base. He's he's nice to have. And Austin Bush, he cooled down a bit in the Super Regional, but he's he's a big boy. He's he's yes. a linebacker size and a guy who really went off in the Regional and hit four home runs. And, you know, it'll be curious to see how he plays as well. But... Yeah, you know, I think in terms of this bracket, I think obviously Miami, what they did this season with their offense, with how many weapons they have offensively, you have to like them. Um, I'm curious to see how pitching-wise they're going to hold up, just because I know Jesse Lapori had some injury issues this past weekend. If they don't have him, I mean, he's a he's a veteran guy who's pitched really well for them this year. And like Jim was saying, they don't have anyone in that starting rotation that's going to blow the ball by you. Um, you know, they're going to have to get by on command and feel, and they've done it. And the, you know, the pitching coach JD Ortega does a great job with the left-handers that they have. But you know, we'll see if they have enough pitching-wise and if they're fully healthy. You know, going through the, this bracket. That's why for me personally, I like. Oklahoma State a little bit more. I know, I know not everyone agrees with that, but for me, at this point, they're my pick to come through this bracket. I'm, I have to say, I'm a little bit surprised, Teddy, I haven't been inundated with, of course, both West Coast teams are in the same bracket, tweets or emails. Um, oh, they're coming. They're, I'm sure they're coming. Um, how, do you, how do you line up this side of the bracket? Mike's a bucking uh, tradition and going with the Cowboys. Well, not tradition, but bucking the rankings and picking the Cowboys. Well, I would love to see Miami just go all in on the um, newfound kind of villain status. Uh, Turn total heel. I want to see them come out in the military fatigues like they did. (laughs) Testaverde style. Yeah, against Penn State in the Fiesta Bowl. 30th anniversary, that'd be awesome. I I want to see them get off the plane like those guys got off the plane in the desert. I believe Ethan Soldier was also Miami, <laughs> Kellen Winslow too. Yes. So there's a long history of quasi-military BS at Miami. So if they did that, I would I would go all in on them. Um, <laughs> as it stands, their pitching depth is disconcerting. You know, they basically went. I believe Jim Morris called it Charlie Holstaff um, on Sunday against uh, Boston College, and. Uh, if they were to fall into Boston a, College's offense, yeah, and if they were to fall into a losers bracket this week, this week, you know, in, in the College World Series, that would that'd be less than ideal if you had to piece it together again. But um, you know, I, they've got the they've got the power, the hitting ability to, to get out regardless. Uh, but I, I think Oklahoma State will give them a good run. I think this is wide open, really. I think Arizona can do this. I think UCSB can do this. I mean, I don't think there's a dominant team over here unless Miami shows up fully healthy with its pitching staff. 
And I think Miami could certainly match their way through this, too. Right. I think they have the bats to, to do that if they are some lopsided scores. I mean, I don't think there's any offense on the side of the bracket that's as good and as deep as Miami. So but you can certainly great, see that. Not a great city and ballpark in which to try to have your offense carry things. You know? No, that did not work for them last year. That's kind of the problem. Jim, are you, are you picking the Canes or somebody else? Uh, it's very tempting to go with Oklahoma State. I kind of... I've, you, want to know what? you guys are the I'll, experts. I'll go with Oklahoma State. I like the way they're playing. They've been... Probably, I mean, what, they haven't trailed yet in five games in the postseason, so they've been as, I mean, they dominated Clemson twice in that series, and they were clearly better, I mean, they clearly outplayed South Carolina, I thought. So they I were would, preseason number nine. Exactly. Yeah, you guys had them that high for a reason. Where was Miami, like five, six? Right in that mix, they right? Were, they were six. There. They were six. But, yeah, uh, yeah so I'll, I'll go with the Cowboys. I mean, I, they're really, I mean, at that part of the season, looking at the whole fall, in the offseason and coming into the year, it's not a big difference, six and nine. No. But Florida was our one. I'll be I'll be honest with you. Any of the other seven teams wins, I'll be shocked. I don't mean to make Florida a prohibitive favorite, but I guess I do. I think they're the prohibitive favorite. They have great coaching staff. They have talent. They have depth. They have different ways to win offensively. They can win with power. They can win with speed. They don't steal a lot of bases, but they do run. They're athletic. I think they're a, a clear – to me – the best teams all year separated themselves. And the only other team that was in that group is Miami. And Florida's still playing pretty well. I mean, they didn't play badly. They got shut down by Drew Carlton. Otherwise, in the postseason, they played well as well. So, was it 22 scoreless innings the last three? 22 two scoreless half innings to close that. Against Super Florida Asian. State, which is a pretty good offensive They were scoring court. 10 and a half runs per game during the postseason coming into the Super Regional. And Florida, St- Florida shows, shows up and finishes with 22 scoreless against that offense. I mean, so to me, it's Florida, and then there's seven other teams. I'm not dismissing those seven other teams, but out of the other seven teams, for me, the most likely other one is probably Miami. But after those, those are the obvious ones. I do think TCU is sneaky because the coaching staff, the pitching, they do seem to be the team that's pushing all the right buttons. When you see them put in Landestoy at first base, first of all, I loved Rafael Landestoy growing up as an Astro. I mean, he was like a little no-hit middle infield guy, and now his son's this really tall, lanky kind of, you know, first baseman, and you put him in, and all of a sudden he's making acrobatic plays at first base in the Super Regional, stretching, diving at first base. That tugs at my heartstrings a little bit, I'll admit. And the thing I'll say about TCU, too, is is in terms of narrative in the College World Series, look at the past couple years. Virginia won it the year after everyone thought they were going right. to win it. Vanderbilt won it the year after, you know. The year before, yeah. Gonna, Doesn't yeah, that play into Florida's hands, though? I mean, perhaps, but TCU, a lot of people argue that TCU could have won last year, too. Yeah. And they lost a lot of that team, and I feel like it falls in some ways a similar narrative to what Virginia done, did. I'm not, I'm not saying that's going to, history's going to repeat itself here, but I think it's just kind of interesting to see if it, if it does with and, TCU. And Coastal would be the craziest story in yeah. college baseball, and probably Fresno State is maybe crazier. I mean, Fresno State had a long College World Series tradition. I've been to Omaha. Fresno was a four, though. They were a four, but they were number 18 preseason that year. This was the number 12 RPI team. I get it. But we, we had a preseason ranked. Fresno was, was badly underseeded. A. B. I they had some uh, help from the bats, from some doctored bats. And they, you know, they had real talent. They, they had a first round, a second round pick in uh, Wilson and a supplemental first rounder in Shepherds or whatever they were drafted. Maybe it was second and fourth round. I mean, they were legit on the mound. I know Shepherds didn't pitch for them but, uh, in the postseason, but Fre- I, Fresno was just criminally underseated as a four seed. So that's the bottom line for me for Fresno. 
they just got job with their with their seating. But then, but Coastal Carolina's coastal. They've never been to Omaha before. This is uh, a school that no one knows anything about. Who's the I mean like Tommy LaStella and Taylor Motter? Those are their big leaguers. Like Fresno State produced big leaguers for 20 years, 30 years. Coastal would be one of the biggest upsets ever to me to win in Omaha. I'm, I would just be shocked if Coastal Carolina pulled it off. And I'm not saying they can't do it. They're a good team. They passed the eye test. They have, what, four pitchers, but one of them throws sidearm and can throw every day yeah. in Beckwith. Yeah. I mean, that's that's I, I guess that's also kind of helps give them a chance to make some noise, I think. I don't think it hurts to have a submarine guy who can pitch every day out there. Anything else you guys want to look for? What's your? Uh, I'll, I'll close with this. Besides the Drover, you can't answer the Drover. Where else do you want to go in Omaha, Mike? You know, I didn't go last year. I went to two years ago, three years ago. I want to go back to the zoo at some point. Okay. I really want to go to the zoo, honestly. All right. Now, Jimmer, you're not going this year. Where, if you, where would you want to? What's your favorite Omaha haunt? Is it the Drover? I think it is the Drover. Um, there's, uh, well, actually, well, last year was the. Uh, Whatever, one of the places we went to for breakfast, yeah, provided these awesome pancakes. <laughs> yeah, I absolutely loved. I absolutely good. loved, and I've you got to remember that, that I've thought about almost daily since then. <laughs> um, now I don't remember its name. But, I really want those pancakes. But those pancakes were awesome. So that would that would be the other uh, must hit li- must hit place on my list. Uh, Teddy, based on all of the buzz that we've given you over the years about Omaha, where do you want to go the most? Do you even like steak? Are you a steak no. person? Oh. oh man! No, I upset city. You'll be going to the what's it called? The French Cafe? Is that what that place is called? I don't even remember. I think it's sounds, literally called the French right, Cafe. Yeah. I I just assume I'll be at the ballpark, and uh, you know that's uh, that's pretty much my life on the road is uh, <laughs> it's going to the ballpark. We're taking you to the Drover A, eh? and uh, they have good chicken if you don't want steak, but you gotta at you least got, try the steak. You can't get chicken at the Drover. When Callis took me to uh, his favorite Phoenix base, or Scott, it was a Scottsdale Steakhouse, I'm sure you've been there with Jim, um, I did not get steak there. So they're, they're, my history of going to steakhouses is to not get steak. So. See, the place where Jim took me in Scottsdale was not a steakhouse. It was one of these random, Will Lingo knows what we're talking about, really random frou-frou Jim Callis restaurants. <laughs> when it's not chain, it's like Jim wants M's, M's Pub in Omaha. But you'll enjoy M's Pub, so... We're going to have a lot of stuff from Omaha. I'm sure we'll be uh, podcasting from there. I'm sure we'll be Facebook living from there. Teddy and Mike are going for two whole weeks, so they need to go home and pack and do laundry. And Teddy's like, wait a minute, two weeks? I don't have enough clothes for two weeks. I don't, I don't um, Yeah, you need, to, you need to do laundry. So I need a lot of laundry done. We need to go back to the office, and we need to do, uh, we need to do laundry. And uh, we need to get ready. I'll be there for the first weekend. And uh, I'll be at uh, the Mattress Factory. Baseball America will have a booth. And what's it called? The Old Mattress District? What's it? Old Mark. Omaha Baseball Village. Omaha Baseball Village. That was, was close. That was I close. wasn't anywhere close. <laughs> <laughs> Something with mattress in the, the name. The name of the bar and restaurant is the Old Mattress Factory. Special okay. guest voice, Will Lingo. The uh, Omaha Baseball Village is where I'll be a lot of the time and watching games. So follow all of BaseballAmerica.com. Go to our Facebook page, Facebook.com slash BaseballAmericaMag, and follow us all on Twitter. This concludes our program. Want more in-depth baseball coverage? Be a better fan. Visit BaseballAmerica.com to get more comprehensive baseball coverage.